0: All right, welcome to Bible Study, everybody. Good to see you tonight. Thank you for coming on out. Uh, We're going to pause just for a a short time. I just heard Olivia Newton-John has passed away. 73 73 years old. So a moment of silence. Uh, She was my first ever celebrity crush in sixth grade. So uh, yeah, (laughs) Olivia, we'll miss you. Alright then, moving on. Um, we're going to take a moment and pray, ask God's blessing on our time, and uh, then we will get moving with our Bible studies. So, let's pray. Father, thank you for opportunity to meet, gather, uh, spend time with one another, spend time with you. We ask God that you would speak tonight, that we'd have ears to hear, and I ask to ask you, Lord, that uh, you would anoint this time, uh, anoint the teaching, our ears to receive and hear. I pray, God, for revelation, understanding. I pray for something deeper to take place in us tonight. I ask, God, that uh, we would be open to what you want to say. We'd be open to what you want to do in us. We'd be open, God, to uh, just uh, new things. And I pray, Father, that we would hear you in what you're saying. We give you thanks tonight for uh, this opportunity to gather. We ask you bless it. Bless our time. Give you honor and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Luke chapter six. Luke six. If you need a Bible, some located on the tables. Feel free to help yourself if you need a Bible. Uh, you can also feel free to take a Bible with you. Uh, we obtain Bibles to give away. And so that's why it's there for you to use and to take if you'd like one. Reminder. Uh, for our podcast listeners, that we have an interactive feature with Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's s p e a k p i p e dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail, and we'd love to hear from you. you could be just saying hi. Or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. Luke chapter 6, I need to volunteer to read verse 42. Luke 6:42. 42. All right, thanks for reading that. Uh, this is a teaching of Jesus that he goes through a series of sayings uh, right through this passage uh, right around Luke 6 And the sayings that we hear from him uh, during this discourse are easy to apply. Uh, They're not really anything that's too difficult to understand. They're not really anything that's too obscure. Not anything that has a lot of uh, background to understand what he's trying to say. He's drawing pictures, telling parables, and uh, he's keeping it simple. So that the people that were hearing him, the people that Uh, he was communicating with would be able to not only understand what he was saying but also to apply it and that was his goal. So uh, we're how many thousands of years later uh, we're hearing what he's saying and it's still true that it's a simple teaching and it's something that most of us can listen to this and apply it. So I'm just going to take some time tonight to uh, just to speak to a few of the things that he's saying here Uh, it takes some time to amplify some of the things that he's saying here and hopefully we can take what we're hearing and apply it as i'm talking that that you can do that now one of the things i try to do when i'm listening to someone speaking is that when i hear something that i know is god speaking to me i i I think of something and I, i try to apply that into my life a lot of my notes have to do with that uh, and as i'm listening to people preach or prophesy or speak that when i feel like okay this is god speaking to me this is god saying something i try to uh, just allow that application to take place and that's my notes my notes really more about what that means to me and how i'm going to apply that to my life than it is about whatever it is the guy was talking about because to me that's the more important part of why i sit and listen and I hear what people have to say. So I want to encourage you toward that. Uh, as he begins this passage here in Luke 6, kind of an interesting, Jesus asks this question. And it's really a good question. It's how can you say? And, and if you think about that question, he is really challenging people to think about what they're saying. To really think about the things that they are doing in their life. And so I want you to just consider that for a second because what he's about to share here is he's sharing a story, a parable, about somebody that's trying to help, right? So this guy comes up to his friend, at least that's what it appears to be, and he's like, let me take that sawdust out of your eye or whatever it is, that speck out of your eye. And it appears that he wants to help. And and so Jesus is asking a question here, and and again, going a little bit deeper than just appearances. He's asking a question, he's like, well, how can you say that? In other words, how can you be nice in saying that? Because what he's really getting to is that, is that sincere? What he's getting to is, can you really help anybody out if you can't see the speck, actually? And he's going into a kind of a, a deeper discourse here about the idea of not just being polite, but actually being helpful. And, and so he, he's cutting through some of the cultural norms. He's cutting through some of the, the, the kind of cultural ways that people would communicate with one another and cutting through some of the ways that people were taught to uh, speak to one another. And he said, well, what's real here and what really matters in what you're actually saying? Because in this case, he's got a person in his story. He's got a person that is asking, offering help that they can't give. And if you think about it, it's like, well, that's nice of them to offer to help. But if they can't actually help, what does that offer really mean? And that's really the question he asked at the beginning is, how can you say this? In other words, how can you say "Let me help you with this" if you don't have the means to actually help? And and so he's cutting through the nicety. He's cutting through the polite thing, and he's getting to you. Really, don't have the ability to help. And so, what does that really mean? How can you say that? And and so with him, and what you see throughout the Gospels, you see throughout the teachings of Jesus, you see throughout the the practicality of what he brings forth the truth that he brings forth is that words have meaning and they need to actually mean something in other words they need to translate into something that is actionable and this wasn't because the problem was is that he had a bunch of people that knew what to say he had a bunch of people that knew how to act he had a bunch of people that knew what was expected of them societally but there were a bunch of people that really weren't that close to God. And there were a bunch of people that really weren't that close in relationship to what the Father's heart was. And so he had come to reveal that, and he had come to draw people to that Father's heart. But in order to do that, he had to cut through some of the stuff that had gotten in the way. Well, this is part of that. It was part of it that, oh, well, let me help you when I don't have the means to help you. That's, that's a problem. And the reason that's a problem is because that in and of itself becomes a commodity. And and, and this is what I mean by that. It becomes a commodity to be just willing to help, even if you can't do it. When there's nothing really helpful about that, is there? You know, well, it's the thought that counts. Is it? I mean, in some cases, I guess so. But I don't know. Like I think that in the practicality of what we're seeing here, and really in the practicality of the teachings of Jesus, it's not just the thought that counts. It's the actual meaning. It's the actual action behind it. It's the actual doing something that really matters. And And these people had become religious. So to them, the form took on as much meaning to them as the actual thing itself and that's a problem because we're not part of a religious system or part of a faith system that's based in form we're part of a faith system that's based in experiential reality in other words these people had an encounter with a person his name was jesus He actually walked and talked among them. Some of them grew up with him. Some of them grew up in a a village next to him or whatever it was. He went back to his village and people knew him from the time he was a child. He was a carpenter's son. He was an actual person that people knew and that they could get to know and that they could experience and share life together. But that is a basis, the primary basis for our relationship with God. Go back to the beginning in Genesis, and like we were talking about the other day, how God, we were created for and we were made for that type of a relationship with the Father. In other words, that we were made for and we were created for a friendship. We were created for and we were made for spending time with Him, walking with Him in the cool of the day, talking about the Father. And, and all of these forms that have existed ever since then, they, they're there in order to draw us into that kind of relationship with the Father. That's why those forms exist. But if they don't actually draw us into that relationship, in other words, if the form takes on as much or more meaning than the actual thing it's supposed to represent, it becomes a hindrance, and then it's in the way. And so that's what Jesus was cutting through here. He was cutting through hundreds and hundreds of years of the form having as much or more meaning than the actual thing itself. And so here we are. And he's asking, well, how can you say this? And you might think, well, that seems kind of mean. Well, it's, it's just true. It's not really mean. It's He's teaching people a new way to look at things. He's teaching people a new way to think about things. He's teaching people a new way to consider things. And so the first thing he's saying, you need to consider what you're saying. How can you say that? How can you say, I offer you this if you don't have that to give? How can you say that? It's meaningless. It's meaningless to offer something to somebody that you don't have. And you know, Because I could offer you, hey, you want 100 bucks? I'll get it right out of my pocket. Except for I don't have a 100 bucks in my pocket. In fact, I don't have anything in my front pocket. Nothing. Nothing. And even, I have a wallet in my shorts right now, but there's not $100 in there. I couldn't give you $100 if I had to right this second. So for me to offer that to you means nothing. Get it? But see, you start applying that to other things in life, all the niceties of life. And you consider, it's like, well... Yeah, you know, can, can I help you with this when you're not able to help? Can I do this for you when you have no intention of ever doing that for them? You know, you think about times in your life where you offered something to somebody and you didn't expect them to take you up on it, and they did. <laughs> gotcha. Right? Right? And if you're unable to do that, then, then that's the problem. How can you say it if you're unwilling to do it? So when Jesus is, is teaching these people, he's, he's using the parables, he's using the story to help do that, but he's like, well, how can you say this? Well, that, that's kind of a rebuke, not kind of, that's a rebuke. And who's he rebuking? He's rebuking that nice person that's trying to help, apparently. But they're not really trying to help. They're just trying to say the right thing. Just right, just trying to speak the right words. They're assuming the form of what they believe that they're supposed to be. And by assuming that form and saying the words that they think they're supposed to say, then that makes them feel okay about the situation. Until the person actually takes them up on it. Until the person actually says, yeah, I need your help. Can you help me? And they can't do it. They can't perform it. That's the situation that's going on here. Because what you have here is that you have a person they can't see. Right? And we'll get to how, why he can't see, but he can't see. And he's saying, "Well, let me help you take the speck out of your own, your eye." Well, he can't see the speck. He can't see it in order to to to, to get his you know get his finger or whatever the Q tip in there to get it out. And so it, it's it's a meaningless gesture. It's a meaningless offer because the person is unable to. He doesn't have whatever it takes to do it. And so and so he's making this this kind gesture, this kind offer that's absolutely, positively meaningless. And Jesus is like, well, how can you do that? How can you do that? And in some uh, versions, the more modern versions, they'll call this person a pretender. That's just how that's how they refer to him. And and the person who is too blind to take the speck out of his brother's eye, is the pretender. He's pretending to care, but doesn't care, necessarily. He doesn't have the means to care. In other words, I, I want to help you. Okay, well, then help me. Oh, I can't. And so there's a certain amount of pretending involved in that, a certain amount of fantasy involved in that. And we're living in a time, we're living in an age where it seems like fantasy, and, and I'm going to get, and I was just what I was speaking of fantasy, like the form, rules over the actuality. We're kind of living in that age. You know, I'm watching a commercial on television last night during one of the shows I watched, and it was a commercial for Meta. And in this commercial, you got a. A girl sitting in California and an old man sitting somewhere else across country, and they both have on these virtual goggles, and they're cartoon fishing with each other. If you ever saw this, and and so they're 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 pretending, literally, to fly fish, and you know each of them in their goggles, each one with their their um, gloves on, whatever the VR stuff, and. And, and in the commercials, it was so good to spend time together. They are literally not together. I mean, literally, one is one side of the country, one on the other side of the country. And you can ar- argue semantics with me all you want, but the fact of the matter is they're not together. You know, I never thought to myself, when I'm talking to somebody on the phone, I'm together with them. It never occurred to me. It never occurred to me if I'm in a Zoom meeting, I'm together with those people. I mean, we're on a platform, a virtual platform, we're looking at each other, maybe. you've done enough Zoom, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe we're looking at each other. And we can hear each other, maybe. Or maybe I'm just doing my work while you all are talking. I don't know. But that doesn't mean we're together. And so you ha- we have to be careful allowing, and I don't mean to sound like an old man or something, but I, I just really wanna say this. have to be careful allowing that which is fantasy fantasy to be in the same spot as reality just because you think something doesn't mean it's real just because you believe something doesn't mean it's real just because you want something to be something doesn't mean it's real does not you know there, there used to be the need for some type of empirical evidence not anymore. Just think it. You'll be okay. Well, we're starting to understand and we're starting to learn how dangerous that that can actually be. How confusing that can be. So Jesus, warning against the form here, it's like, well, you said the right thing, but you can't perform it. It's messed up. How can you say that? Warning against the the I wish I could, and making that as important as reality of the situation. And he's actually teaching, don't do that. Don't do it because it doesn't mean anything. As I look at this passage, you see the pretender. He's pretending that he wants to help, but he's unable to do it. And you look at the language there. He calls the guy his brother. My brother. Now, I come from a a religious uh, background, and that's just since I became a Christian. But I I went to a church after I became a Christian, and I was folded into that denomination of people. And it was an old-time Pentecostal denomination. And so everybody called each other brother and sister. So I was in my 20s, and that's what I was told to do. And there were just certain people. you know. I grew up in the South, and so I have a hard time calling people by their first name anyway. And so it became a convenient way to just refer to people. Like there was a guy, I was in my 20s, there was a guy who had been the church treasurer for over 40 years of the church that I was at. And his name was Brother Boss. I can't even tell you anything else about his name, but just Brother Boss. And he was married to a woman. Guess what her name was? Sister, Sister Boss. That's right. And, and so, so that's the way I referred to them. And that's all there was to it. But that was the form of how we spoke to one another. And, and that was true all along the way. Uh, as far as I traveled, after a while, I began to travel and preach in churches, and, and I spoke in like 300 churches along the way, and uh, conferences, all kinds of things. But anywhere that I would go, it'd be brother, sister, whatever. That's just the way it was. But did I really think of brother boss as my brother? No. No, I, I, it was just a, a substitute word for mister the way that I've been referring to older people my whole life. So it had been Mr. Boss, but because of the, the context I was in, I used the term brother and, or sister or whatever it was. And, uh, but it got to the point of ridiculousness, to the point that after a number of years of doing that, after a number of years of being a part of that, I remember I was at a training in Missouri and, at, at the headquarters, like the mothership of this organization, And I was in Missouri, in Springfield, Missouri, and and I was at this training at a local college. And I got around a bunch of people that were kind of like me. They had had not grown up in the church, they had become Christians along the way, most of us in college. And so we've been folded into this culture and referring to people that way. And I remember just sitting down and talking to some of these guys and feeling like I wasn't crazy for the first time in like 10 years. That this you know, this just seems ridiculous. Because I'd be, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. I was at a, a at a church in Horseheads, New York, and after the service, the pastor had uh, me and June over to uh, to eat lunch. And so um, this is Brother Klein Stuber's church, and so Sister Klein Stuber had made lunch, good German lunch. And and so we were eating, and Brother Kleinshuber looked at his wife and said, "Good tater, sis," to his wife, and June just started laughing, and I thought it was funny too. You know, I didn't laugh, but she did. She gets away with stuff like that. I didn't, but good tater, sis. That's his wife. he could probably call her by her first name right but sitting down and, and just really thinking about like do we really mean any of it no it was just a religious form it was a religious form that we just rolled into i mean i was an adult when i became a christian it wasn't like i was a child learning that i was an adult But it was just we got folded into that. And some of these other guys I was meeting in Springfield, they were adults, but they got folded into this. And we were just discussing. It's like, well, are are we going to be like this? Like in 20 years, are we going to be referring to one another as brother? Is that how this is going to happen? And I just remember thinking to myself, there is no way I can do that. No way. And, and, I, want, and I, I picked a silly example because I want you to begin to think about things in your life that you've been taught, and you have no idea why. I want you to think about things in your life that are niceties. If you grew up in the church, you've got lots. Right? There's just lots of them. Right? There's lots of things you're supposed to say in a certain moment. Lots of things that are expected of you to say. Lots of things that, that people think that you're going to say and whatever it is that you're going to do. One of my favorite things about starting this church was that we had a bunch of people that came into this church that didn't grow up in the church. And they would say things when they would do share time that were downright offensive. <laughs> All right? And just looking around at the people that had grown up in church just freaking out whenever they would say something offensive. Like yeah, well, you know what? They don't know any better, and I'm not gonna tell them. I'm just not gonna tell them. Because I got confronted on that a lot. Uh, there were people that visit. I had, when we first started, we'd have people visiting the church. They want to see how we were doing this. They want to know what was happening. Like, how's this happening? Because they, you know this organization that i was a part of and then subsequent organizations that we were part of they they couldn't do what we were doing and they want to well how are you doing this and they'd come visit and then they'd hear somebody get up and give you know like a share time testimony thing and drop an f-bomb in the middle of it you allow that yeah i guess i'm not gonna stop it because that's how that girl talks that's how that guy talks over there, and, you know. And eventually, God spoke to them. I wasn't pointing at Pete, sorry, or Sid. Sid, I definitely wasn't pointing at you. Yeah, but but eventually, God spoke to these people pretty much, and they just stopped doing it after a while. I didn't have to say anything. Other people didn't have to say anything. I figured if you got somebody coming off of drugs, or you got somebody coming out of certain lifestyles that were destructive to them, and they're sitting in a church and they're sharing about what God's doing in their life. They got bigger fish to fry in their life than whether or not they dropped an F-bomb in the middle of the share time. I'm sorry. But somebody that is an alcoholic's got a bigger fish to fry than an F-bomb or a drug addict or somebody that's coming to us and they're coming out of certain lifestyles. They got bigger problems, bigger things to be concerned about in their life, bigger things that God is likely working on in them than whether or not they they used some, some F word or whatever it was that they used. So why am I going to emphasize something that God obviously isn't emphasizing in their life? I'm not. And so the niceties... When you begin to break it down, sometimes just get in the way. And and the reason I'm saying that is because how are we doing it? How do we do that, what we did here? It was by majoring on what matters and not worrying about the little stuff. Let's just make it something that's real. And let's just be concerned about what actually matters in people's lives. And let's just be concerned about the work that God is doing to set people free instead of cleaning up their language. Or making sure they have eyebrows before they come into service. <laughs> or making sure their hair is in a weird color. Or making sure they bathe because they kind of stink. Well, they got some bigger problems. I mean, I don't like smelly people, but I'm telling you, they got some bigger problems. And I will put up with a smelly person as God is working in their life, as God's changing them, because we've done it lots of times. I mean, we had some Sundays, we went week to week, where we had somebody bathing in the bathroom. We'd go in there after service, it'd just be the men's room. I don't know if you guys were around for that, but just the floor would be just soaking wet, because somebody would be bathing in there. Like, all right. We got a mop. Because that doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And what does matter is what's real. What does matter is what God's doing. And that's what Jesus is trying to say here. He's like, the, the pretending doesn't work. If you, you can you can force people into this mold and have them pretend to be something they're not, that doesn't work. You can put somebody in a mold and and make them pretend to say things that they really don't mean, and you can make them pretend to to believe things that they really don't believe because it's not reflected in their life, but that does not work. The whole idea of, well, we'll change the outside, then the inside will change. It's the exact opposite of that. It says God changes us on the inside that the outward things begin to change. Oh, you don't have the patience for that. Most people don't. But that's how it works. Most people don't have the patience to wait around for that. And so you try to help somebody out that's changing on the inside, but they end up stealing all the change out of your house. Take some patience to wait. Because maybe them stealing the change isn't that important to the work that God's doing in them. I don't know. But this is the reality. Of seeing people actually change. And so the person that offered is the pretender. Not the person with the speck. You look at the person with the speck, you think, Oh, that poor person. You know who really is the sad person in this? Is the pretender. They're really the sad person. And the reason they're really the sad person is because Jesus and Jesus makes sure you understand this is that you got a guy over here with a piece of sawdust in his eye. But you got this guy offering to help him who has a log in his eye. He's the one that's really in trouble. The person that is making nice. The person that's saying the nice thing. The person that's actually the polite person. The one that, oh, I'm offering to help, even though I don't have the means to do it. I'm offering to help. They're the person that's really in trouble in this scenario. And Jesus makes that clear by saying you got a guy with a speck in his eye, you got a guy with a log in his eye, which one do you think is worse off? You tell me. The log. Yeah, but he doesn't believe that. He doesn't believe that. And I'll tell you something else, most of the religious world doesn't believe that either. Most of the civilized religious world doesn't believe that either. You think about that poor guy with that speck. Well, let's help him out. Yeah, Jesus said, well, how can you say that when you actually have a log in your eye? And he calls him my brother. And, and I mean, to me, that's just like, uh, he, he's feigning some great affection or sincerity there. He's pretending. He's pretending. He's the pretender. Because we can be blind to our own issues. I think you know that, right? That uh, the guy with the piece of wood, the log sticking out of his eye, I mean, he's really living in lack because he can't see it. And and the word there is more active than he just can't see it. The word is, language-wise, the word is he takes no notice of the log in his own eye. He takes no notice of and so that creates in and of itself by not taking notice of the log in his own eye it creates a limitation in his life because therefore he can't really help he can only pretend to help and if you're only pretending to help that's not really help in fact jesus defines that in this verse as a hypocrite do you mean hypocrites can be well-meaning yes you mean hypocrites can be really nice people yes you mean hypocrites can 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 be offering to help even though they can't do it they'll offer to help yes but you see what makes them the hypocrite is that they're really just pretending they can only pretend to help they can't actually help because they don't take notice of what's going on in their own life By taking notice of what's actually happening in our life, we become more aware of the people around us. We become more aware of the situations, the issues that are going on around us. We become more aware of what needs to change in our own lives. We become more aware of what God's working on in us. We become more aware of the things that God's pointing out in us so that we can be active participants in the change that God's trying to make in our lives. You know, things go a lot faster and smoother when you're actually participating with God in what he wants to do. That that if you're just pretending everything's okay and God's trying to change things and all the rest of that stuff, but you're not actively participating in that, it doesn't go as fast and it's certainly not as easy. And so we have to put ourselves in a position where we're willing to actually look at ourselves, take notice of who we are and actually what's going on in our lives And actively work with God as he's changing us by the power of his Holy Spirit. I have an anger issue. You know, and and some of you are laughing because it's not a secret. (laughs) I know I have an anger issue. I'll tell you. But over the years, over the years, By speaking that, and by understanding that, and by seeing that, I can actively participate in what God is doing in me to change me. Because I'm a heck of a lot nicer now than I used to be. Right, Kim? Yeah. Yeah. We had Tom over there. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm a nice guy, but yeah. So that's, that's one of my issues. I got more. I, I can sit here and tell you all about them. But I got more. I just can't pretend they're not there. I can't pretend I don't have issues. I can't pretend I don't have shortcomings. I can't pretend that I, I got it all together. I can't pretend that everything's okay. And if this was a different kind of church, I would have to pretend that as a leader in the church or you get rid of me and so some of the the, the most broken people in the body of Christ some of the, the most hurting people in the body of Christ are in leadership because they're never allowed to be broken they're never allowed to be in need they're never allowed to come up short they're never allowed to fail and so they just keep hurting and pretending and hurting and pretending but you know what you know what jesus calls that you're not a very good helper and so you got these leaders in the body of christ that just aren't very good helpers why because they don't have the means to they 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 can't even be who they are they can't even look at who they are well how are they going to help you how is he going to help you get a speck out of your eye if he's got a log sticking out of his eye? can't. He can't. And and I'm not whining on behalf of every pastor on the face of the earth. I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. And if you can't, as a person, share with the people around you, if you can't be who you are with the people around you, if you can't just admit and see, and recognize, and allow for the shortcomings that are actually in your life. If you can't see the log that's in your life, you're not going to be a good helper. And you're going to live a life where you're just hurting. You're broken. I'm broken. You're broken. But healing has to come through truth and not through pretending. Because you can't just wish it. You can't just fantasize about it. You can't just say it is so. There has to actually be some healing. It has to be real. And so we have to be careful that we actually take notice. That we actually take notice of what's going on around us, but to take notice of what's happening in our own lives. You know what you notice in people? what's wrong with you yeah. and you can notice what's what's wrong in other people even even now this this is you're gonna think man this is some real gymnastics yeah because <laughs> you can notice what's wrong in other people all right the same stuff's wrong in you and still not see it in you that is some gymnastics That'd be like me, you know, like I'm just living my life and I'm pretending, doing whatever I'm doing. And I see somebody, I'm like, wow, that person really has an anger issue. What's wrong with them? They didn't deal with that. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be like I didn't know I had one, right? The issue, though, becomes, as we take notice of what's happening in us, And when we see it in other people, we at least know where that comes from. We at least understand where that comes from. And hopefully it keeps us from that moment of judgment in our life. Because I tell you what, when you're looking at somebody and you're just seeing yourself, it gets a lot harder to really judge that person. And all of a sudden, patience and grace and mercy come out of us. Hopefully. And we can just love each other. Because I got my problems, you got your problems. My problems aren't your problems, but some of my problems are your problems, and some of your problems are my problems. That's just true. But if we can bathe our relationships in that kind of mercy, grace, and love, then we give each other the room, we give each other the space for God to change us. To give him that opportunity to change us. And so it's on us to see things, to actually pay attention to our own lives, to take notice of things that are happening in us, so we can get healed. Do so we ask God for healing. Ask God for wholeness in our life. Ask God for restoration. We take the time to go through that process of forgiveness, go through that process of, of, of life-giving forgiveness in our lives. Go through that process of maybe asking other people to forgive us for the things that we've said or done. And sometimes that's appropriate, and sometimes that's the right thing to do. But we go through that process To allow for ourselves and to allow for that work to take place in us to actively participate in the healing that god wants to do in us that we take our part in that because once we're healed once we're made whole and i'm not talking completely but that process is going on and ongoing in our life that that's what's happening and we put ourselves in that position we're participating in that process in our life then then we can begin to help others then we can be healers because ultimately that's what jesus is looking for here in this story the application of this story is that you become a healer the application of this story is that you're not pretending but you're actually helping take a speck or helping take that sawdust out of that person's eye that you actually do care about the end result of this is that we become healers in one another's lives but that's only going to take place as we allow for the recognition as we allow for taking notice of what's actually going on in our lives you have to be self-aware and and allow the holy spirit to speak to you allow for what god wants to do in healing you if you're going to be a healer for other people then you can actually help. There were several issues in my childhood where I suffered trauma. And without going into the details of it, it was through the recognition of that and really the pursuit of God healing me of some of the anger issues that I have that I was able to actually work through some of those things and receive some healing. But the result of that is that then I was able to speak, and I have been able to speak over the years into people's lives that have experienced some of the same kind of trauma in their lives. But I wouldn't have been able to do that years ago. You know, Telling somebody to get over it ain't going to help them. (laughs) And so there had to be some point where I went through a process of forgiveness in my life that I could describe to somebody. And there had to be a point where I, I asked for healing from this and what that looked like and what that felt like and what that meant to me so that I could lead somebody else into that or encourage somebody else into that and give them some idea of what it looked like and give them some idea of what it felt like and give them some idea what to expect through that, if they were willing to. But I would have never been able to do that if I just ignored what had happened in my life. You have to stay and be aware and allow for that process to take place in you. Because in that opens up a door for you to be a healer in other people's lives. And so I want to encourage you toward that. Because I want to encourage you toward healing, I want to encourage you toward wholeness. Because in a very real way, that's how we actually help one another, at least in this context. That Jesus was, well, how can you say this when it's just crap? You're just pretending. That if you actually got that log out of your own eye, and you received some restoration and healing and wholeness, you could actually help somebody. But you can't just pretend everything's okay. You can't just pretend everything is, you know, oh, that's awesome, I'm great, how are you? did you think about all the niceties what about all the niceties in our culture hi how are you i'm well thank you how are you (laughs) oh i'm well good to see you good to see you too i hate it when those conversations come up and i can't remember the person's name especially when they come up to me hey andy (laughs) hi person i don't know your name yeah How sincere am I? I don't know. And I'm not trying to, to bag on, like, just, just be mean about cultural norms, because we just all have them, and I mean, I understand them. But you have to understand them what they're for, and you have to understand them for the, the, the meaning and the lack of meaning behind them. That's all. And and I guess what's more important than just those kind of silly niceties and those silly, silly polite things and uh, whatever that is. I mean, I grew up in a culture where everything's polite, but then there's ways to say things politely, but in a mean way, (laughs) where everyone knows what you're talking about, but it was said so nicely that who would know? Well, we all know, but it sounds so nice. Well, I know what you mean. So it's, it's to get rid of that, though, within what we're doing. And that's really what I'm driving at. And that's what Jesus was driving at. It's like, yeah, talk, 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 talk. Talk, talk, talk. Talk, 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 talk. What does that mean? Nothing. Nothing. And, And I've said this for years. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Until it actually costs you something. And when it costs you something, then you begin to understand that words do have meaning and they do matter. And so if we're going to be a people whose words matter, we're going to be a people who mean what we say. And Jesus talked a lot about that, meaning what you say. He talked a lot about it, let your yes be yes and your no be no, and don't let anything else out of your mouth because it don't matter. In fact, he said it's of the devil. So keep it simple. Recognize that your words have meaning. And I believe that what God is calling us to is a reality, a reality of life together. We're not going to get there pretending. We're not going to get there faking it. And we're not going to get there trying to to say all the right things when we're just ill-equipped to actually do it. It's not going to get there. But I believe we can get there as we participate with God in the healing process in our own lives and let him make us into the healers that he really called us to be in one another's lives. So let's allow the work in us. Let's allow the work in me. Let's allow the time and the space And let's participate in the work that God wants to do in each one of us. Let him change us. Let him change me. And then let's heal. Let's let's heal one another. Let's speak healing over one another. Let's be instruments of healing in one another's lives. Because ultimately, I just think that's what we're called to. Let's take a moment to pray. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight, uh, wherever you're at. Again, this simple message really is directly applicable. So that's up to you to allow for the application of this word to your life. That's up to you to allow the Holy Spirit to apply this word in your heart, in your mind and your spirit, and your soul. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, your word is living. And because your word is living, there's something about your word that is unique to each one of us. That there's a connection of this word into each of our lives. Right where we're at. that, uh, that, That spot that we're in right now. And it could be a place of uh, of hurt. It could be a place of brokenness. It could be a place in a process of healing. It could be in a place of a process of revelation in our lives, that we're seeing things we've never seen before, hearing things we've never heard before, understanding things we've never understood before. Wherever we're at, I thank you that your word as a living word meets us at that point of connection. And so I pray that your word, your living word, would connect with each one of us here in this room right where we're at for god i pray that you would bring healing into our lives that we would actively participate in the healing and the wholeness and that process that you have for each one of us that we would allow for it we would allow god for your word to to just move in us and knit things together, we allow Your Word to move in us and cleanse us from things that we need to be cleansed of. We allow for Your Word to move in us and bring about, Lord, just a just a wholeness into us—body, soul, and spirit. For God, I pray in this church, You would raise us up as healers. You raise us up as a people that not only have received of your healing, have received of your wholeness, but a people that will and can minister that healing and that wholeness in other people's lives too, in reality. The real deal. Not just talk about it, not just say it, but in reality. And so God, I, I just ask, I ask you, as we respond to you tonight, as we open ourselves up to you tonight, as we say, God, do your work in us. Heal me. Make me whole. That we would allow for that to take place. God, if you tell us it's time to go and speak to somebody, we'd do it. If it's time for us to ask somebody for forgiveness, we'd do it. If it's time for us to to write that letter we need to write, that email, that text message, whatever it is that we do it. I pray, Father, that uh, we would participate in the healing that you have for each one of us. Give you thanks tonight. Give you thanks. I pray for a company of healers to be raised up in this room. Healers. Healers in one another's lives. Healers where we work, healers where we play, healers, God. Where we get our groceries, healers. A company of healers. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. Amen. All right.
1: UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. You no, know, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool. you uh-huh. We super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. Alright. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community. Like the community yeah, that. No, see, there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. started in 1997 that's a long time ago yo that's back in the day that was before i had my eyebrows tattooed on there. i remember that mm-hmm. yeah as an afterwards of chapter City of syracuse university ucs continues to gather in the westcott neighborhood of syracuse oh me and my home girls we walk up and down there all the time i know that's our hood Mhm. so it's in syracuse new york to share the love and hope of christ again we, we homies you know hom- yeah